Welcome to the Technoy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining me on today's show, John Aggie. He's the co-founder of Joy Bowl, which is a food startup that started within the Kellogg brand. Um, but it's interesting and I think very worthwhile to all the corporate people out here on corporate innovation as to how they dis- disintegrated uh, Joy Bowl from Kellogg in a way that was only helpful for both. Tons of opportunities to learn and working on focusing on just solving the problem that was needed to be solved as simply as possible, continuing iteration, and not necessarily leveraging everything that Kellogg had to, to offer until the right time. And that, to me, is something that is interesting. And, and also, one of the attention you know getters for me is that Kellogg acquired a friend of mine, uh, his company, RX Bar, Peter Rahal. And Peter has had an opportunity, Peter and Sam, a little shout-out for Sam McBride, uh, Peter and Sam have had an opportunity to work a little bit with John and the team on Joy Bowl. And I, now, in retrospect, after this conversation, it completely makes sense to me when I look at the product and the new iteration and the product at full launch, what it will look like. And it, it's just it's so cool to see companies and startups working together in a way that makes sense versus just like forcing this sort of activation and acquisition partnership when it doesn't necessarily make any sense. So um, I will not bore you with any more details other than to say I'm looking at this chocolate hazelnut granola smoothie and I'm thinking this looks delicious, crunchy, creamy, delicious. All you have to do is add water. But if you really want to hear more about it, you're going to have to listen to the podcast episode. Here is my interview with John Aggie. I love smoothies. Awesome. Like I'm, my wife and I are gigantic smoothie people. We've had, this was like the fourth smoothie associated type company we've had on just like in the last like six months. The, the problem for me, which thank you for the, the gifts, by the way, uh, what those gifts solve for. The problem I have is I hate cleaning it up. I hate chopping fruit. I hate doing more or less any work whatsoever. And so like we've had uh, Zen Blend and some other groups on the show and their whole hook is like it's a freezer bag. It's ready to go. Or, you know, it's it's one of those uh, machines that's in a company. And so you don't have to do any of the work. It just auto makes it. And all that is really good. But we get to this and this is like such a buzzword bingo term here. But the the the, the last mile. The last mile of the su- the smoothie journey is a real tough one because I have to like if, if I don't eat the bananas on time, like I buy all this fruit and then it rots because I didn't you know get to it or I make a smoothie and I don't clean the smoothie machine because I'm lazy and I come back to it. And I'm like, oh, and then I'm, I just end up doing something else. You have a solution that just like takes all of that away and I don't have to have it in a freezer immediately, which is why I can't bring it to work with me. You're like cereal bowl to go. Only it's a smoothie. Am I, how, how on point am I with this? I love it. I feel like uh, I should be interviewing you. Well, you know, it's your turn now. No. So, like, I, I just wonder, like, what, what is the uh, – there has to be a, a personal story and then a professional story here that, like – because all the smoothie people who have come on the show, you would think that it would be, like, health nut people. It's, it's not really health nut people. Like, they're usually healthier because they choose yeah. smoothies instead of McDonald's or whatever. But, like, it, there's always a story of – of like ah this sucked and I, I solved for it myself. Yeah, it's 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 actually a great story. So, um, you know, it really starts with experimenting in the kitchen, right, and getting out there and talking to real people. And so, uh, a couple food developers uh, inside the Kellogg's company were just experimenting and tinkering in the kitchen, clashing together ideas, and um, they thought they were onto something. And so we assembled a team behind this idea. And we said, you know what? Let's just start talking to people. Let's get out into 
real places where people live and work and let's just have real human conversations let's let's get this into people's hands let's observe let's listen let's learn and let's see if we we got something there we'll take it from there so we it, it took us on a journey across the country we went to places where people live and work from chicago to new york to california and uh, we really spent a lot of time here in chicago uh, as our home base and what we learned was spot on to what you said that, um, well, a couple of things. One, we learned that this, these pain points, these what we call circumstances of struggle that you just mentioned were particularly acute among what we call young, we coined them as young urban um, mobile millennials. Yep. Uh, we actually came up with an acronym for them, YUMS, Young, young oh, Urban fitting. Mobile Millennials. And uh, basically, effectively, busy urban professionals that, they're they're behind from the moment they wake up, right? And they just don't have time during the week for the ideal breakfast that maybe they do on the weekend. And 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 yet, um, on their way to work, they're surrounded by this explosion of food culture, right? Where they're going past cafes, seeing cool smoothie shops, grain bowls, all these cool fusion bowls. And yet, they're largely inaccessible. They don't have the time. They don't have the patience. They don't want it. if they want to they're try expensive. to make it on their own. They're they're hugely expensive cost prohibitive. And if they want to try to make it on their own, you've basically just summarized all those yep. pain points. Right. And so what we realized that was like, that was a big aha moment for us. Like, Oh my goodness. And, and, and then they would say, well, when we'd ask them, well, what do you like about this? They loved it for its combination, unique combination of creamy, crunchy, you know, goodness, all in one, no hassle, no prep, just add water ready in a matter of seconds reminded them of these experiential eats that they were so they were craving but yet were largely inaccessible we said wow wouldn't it be amazing if we could take something largely inaccessible to the to most people make it more available to them in a more affordable convenient no hassle way and that then just took us on this journey where we just kept on prototyping we'd go into the marketplace we'd listen we'd learn and then we'd go and iterate and we'd go back out there and um it was our prototype, learn, iterate journey that then ultimately from that uh, was born Joyable. Uh, but we went through a lot of different iterations, right, on the brand, on the food, on the packaging. And uh, the name was really born from just like listening to people talk about these pain points. I remember vividly being in an office space and they were talking about what they liked about this. And they said to us, you know, look, the, the joy has just been sucked out of the morning. Yeah. And it was that moment I scribbled on a piece of paper, joyable. Yeah. This it, is it, about giving someone a bowl full of joy, creamy, crunchy, bowl full of joy, just add water, go. I, I, I love this. Like, I haven't tried it yet. I'm sure it's delicious. I'm going to try it. I might very quickly become a customer because, like, <laughs> because my, my, the breakfast to me, going back to the yums thing, the, the breakfast to me is the, it's, a, it's hokey. It's the most important meal of the day. It really is. It like starts everything. And it's also for me the most difficult because I'm, I don't know, you know, you have a kid, you have this, you have that, like you wake up, you don't, I don't know what's going to come the minute my eyes open. So once I start the routine, if I missed, you know, packing something the night before, that's not going to happen. If it's like very difficult, like I have to freeze it, that's not going to, you know, not going to work out. And if I can just grab and go, I mean, speaking of another Kellogg's product, uh, newly, not newly, but newly-ish acquired RX bar, RX bar. I know I've known Peter my whole life. We grew up together in Glen Ellen and that's been a staple of my diet for since forever, really. 
because it's it's a meal in, in a bag, basically a meal in a little pouch, and I can grab it and go, and it's it's just easy. Anything outside of that, it's really hard, and I think that that's not just me. I think that's younger, you know, fast-moving people, and they just don't want – like they want to have a routine, but they don't want to have to work for the routine. And you created the opportunity for me to get something that I would like to be part of my routine, but I have no interest in working to make it part of my routine. Yeah, that's exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. And actually, uh, I've been fortunate to talk with those guys uh, on the RX Bar team, and they've been a source of inspiration for me in terms of this entrepreneurial approach that we're taking to the design and the commercialization of this proposition. We call ourselves intrapreneurs. We're trying to be entrepreneurial while leveraging the resource of a large company. And certainly it has its advantages. But sometimes those advantages can also be disadvantages as sure. well as you're actually trying to consciously constrain yourself. It's one of the things that Peter and them talk about is you know, embracing the, those early stages where you constrain yourself because when you do that, um, you're forced to really think differently and really start small and start on the ground and really listen and design with you know, that, that early adapter, that super fan in mind, right? And try to do everything you can um, to try to design for delight and really just observe. And that's a lot of what we've been doing over the past couple of years is we we give out free product to people. We go into their office spaces. Um, we eventually launched it in uh, e-com and in our, what we call food away from home channels mid last year, but very much more like a soft launch because yeah. we were still in learning mode. And we really embraced this phase. I remember, um, I think it was Sam that once said to me that you'll never have this time again. Sam McBride. Yeah, he said to me. I Sam remember and I he got said, some stories, man. I think we he said to me here. at one point, you know, never will you have this moment to um, learn as much as you can from those early adapters, those super fans who are going out of their way to opt in. And so we purposely constrained ourselves and only made this available where we found that intersection between who we were designing for, where the moment was, where that need for a more delicious, satisfying, portable eat as their days ramping up, where it was most acute, and then where people would be open to that. And and that's why we started off more, in, we put this in corporate cafeterias, in college campuses, started selling out on e-com. We just wanted to learn. We wanted to just start selling and learning from people that were actually going out of their way. And this was really a pivotal year for us. We, we took the next step in that journey this year um, where we said, look, we really want to start taking this idea of acting like a startup to a next level and really <clears throat> inspired by our X bar and some of those other startups. Um, we created our own field activation team that's actually headquartered here in Chicago. And, um, and they've been acting as the right hand activation arm of our sales team to, you know, activate these memorable experiences that are much more authentic than just hiring some third party yeah. agency to do this in a grocery store or somewhere else. These are people that work for us. Yep. And they're out there and they're pounding the pavement. They're having real authentic conversations with people day in and day out. And not only are they helping us get food in the mouth and selling it, but they're generating such rich insights from these early super fans that are helping us further iterate, you know, codify all these learnings that'll then help us be better set up for expansion when we eventually take that next step. I think so many, this is, it, it is interesting, and we'll get into this a little bit on the, on the Kellogg side of this, but it's interesting that it comes from within Kellogg, but the reality is, similar to ours, you've taken an approach that I, 
I really think a lot of founders and startups right now, I don't know why I'd say they get away from it, but there, there's just something missing with a lot of founders I talk to. And, and that something is really simple, literally. Um, solve the problem as yep. simply as possible. Yep. And that's the thing that Peter did so well. And like you're, you're talking about with, with Joy Bullets, there's a million ways to try to get this, this product in front of you. But really, if I get any, if I work on it, spend money or time on anything other than the most simple solution to your problem, which is I want a smoothie and I don't want to deal with any of the BS. I just want the smoothie. I'm stealing their tagline, yeah. <laughs> your tagline now. Uh, you, you really have to focus on at its minimalist entry point. Who are the people who want this and why? And how can I make them another word that you use, which I'll kind of piggyback on a, a recent show we did, Delight. How do I create a delight? We had the, the founder, um, Raul Vora from Superhuman, if you're familiar with the Superhuman app, uh, email app, on the show last week. And he, he, he gave me a new definition. I don't think it's new. It's just the definition of delight. And it was basically a surprise moment that went well for you versus you know negative, which is not delightful. And if you build your business around a simple solution for the problem that this specific market intended person will have, and I can let them solve that problem in a delightful manner, it is, it is very hard to screw up. I think you hit the nail on the head. And the only way to discover not only the problem, but then how to best solve it, to your point in the most simple way that also like surprises and delights them, is you have to just get into real places where people live and work, where they're, yeah, as opposed to like these artificial focus yep. groups that, um, they got paid many, to tell you something. Yeah, they got paid to tell you something, and they're sitting in this artificial setting, and it's not very comfortable. You want to go into real authentic spaces where people live and work. And I remember to this point, when we were, to that point, we were, we were in some offices here in Chicago, for instance, and just watching people go through their regular breakfast routines, you know, before we even gave them, yeah. like, the prototypes. And you'd see people that wanted to have this type of experience, right? bringing stuff from home or grabbing something on the way there, whether it was a smoothie. plug a bullet in yeah. and then squeeze a banana into it. Yeah. It's like, there's gotta be yeah. a better way than yeah. this. And they were having like this, trying to have this whole experience at their desk. And so we, from this whole observation, we, we observed a couple things. One, we observed this whole trend around desk fisting, right? Yeah. Eating breakfast at your desk in the morning. We just called it desk fist. And I think others have come onto this as well as if you Google it, I think there's actual like term now around yeah. it. But people were trying to have breakfast at their desk as their days ramping up and trying to simulate some of these experiences you're talking about. But they were never they were always having to make trade-offs, right? And so that's when we were so at that point we were like, wow, I think we have crystallized that consumer job to be done. People are looking for a delicious, satisfying, portable eat as their days ramping up. Right. Well what's what is it about the current options that maybe aren't doing a good job of performing that job? And we were watching and we saw if they wanted to they could get the creaminess, right, from maybe getting yogurt or something else or a smoothie, right? Yeah. But if they wanted the crunch, oftentimes they had to add their own mix-ins. Yeah. And then we'd see people, like, spill stuff all over their desk or they would, like, take out this baggie that was in their backpack or they stored, like, you know, some some inclusions in their desk. And it was always a process, right? And then we'd actually watch people get, like, pulled away from their desk because their morning would get upended unexpectedly. And then they'd come back an hour later and the, everything that they had prepared yeah. so immaculately turned to mush. Yeah. And it was disgusting, right? And they couldn't even eat it and they would yeah. toss it. So we're like, oh, so we started seeing, okay, what was not only the job to be done, but what were some of the, the pain points? It needs to be the contained and they can take it with them and move. And that's or, where we said, yeah, like one, it needs to be like able to fit in your hand. We got to make sure that this thing is 
easy to easy to hold in one hand, easy to grip. It needs to be easy to stir, right? Like we said, there were, had to be must-haves for the packaging. Um, and then we also said, well, what about you know, <clears throat> what are we what are we willing? What are the the non-negotiables? And we said, well, we discovered that that crunch was so distinctive about a, the experience and the fact that it was already there. They didn't have to add anything. We said, okay, we got to make sure that we're investing in the crunch yep. because that's, that's one of the things that we found that really separated our, uh, us from others was that we were giving them this unique uh, combination of uh, creamy smoothie goodness uh, with crunchy granola and delicious toppings. Texture all is everything. All in one, in, all in in one yep. just add water. And everyone was like, yeah, who doesn't have water? But the key was, the key to... Um, getting people to just suspend disbelief, if you will, both with our early adapters as well as people at Kellogg's, quite frankly, was was just the language that we were using, quite frankly. Yeah. If, if if you called this, say, a no-milk cereal, people would be like, well, that's disgusting. Yeah. Who wants a no-milk cereal? But you go back to understanding your consumer, understanding the trends, understanding the world that they live in and what you're trying to solve for, you, you reframe it as, a granola smoothie, an instant granola yeah. smoothie bowl, just add water and stir and enjoy. Like, yeah, I want some of that. Yeah. And so the language you use, what we learned is, is really important in terms of then how you communicate. But the only way you find that out is by getting out there and talking to people. I think it's fascinating. The, the So going back to the Kellogg component of this, and I'm going to kind of flip this on reverse as I was, an, if I were an investor in this scenario and you were not built from Kellogg and I'm looking at it and, and this is going out to the companies who've come on the show that I, I really do generally like, and I've bought some of the products and I've tried it and I like, I have nothing to complain about, but I will say when I look at it from an investor standpoint, many of the alternatives have built in barriers to their own success. There are reasons that this may or may not work, or if it is or does work, it will be with a limited market. And it is nearly, nearly impossible to get an acquisition. And I look at Kellogg, and obviously you guys, Kellogg brands, stuff. there's stuff everywhere. There's stuff on every aisle that Kellogg's involved in. But the bread and butter, that where people know Kellogg, where Kellogg has the inroads at every single place, and at this point, buying power-wise, you guys can get any shelf you want. The challenge of being in a frozen food section when you are just one of many things in frozen food, even with the name Kellogg, is completely different than creating a product that can line up in an aisle that you would expect to see me in and a brand that has the power and the cloud in that aisle to be able to make sure that this is something that will work and that can be sold properly and can get into the stores, etc. When I look at a lot of the comps in the smoothie, one of the reasons it's been such a difficult challenge, and it's not just smoothie, this is all kinds of foods. And, and, and really, if you really want to like step out of the box, you look at it's solving for yum, as you mentioned, the, mm. the young mobile urban millennials. Those individuals demand that whatever you give them fits into whatever the life space that they live in and they will not make any concessions for you you will make concessions for them or they will not use your product absolutely right so when i look at what you do and i think of if you were a startup that wasn't kellogg would kellogg buy you yes for you obviously but when i look at some of the comps that i know the people were like not planning on making smoothies for their whole life this is like step one they don't have a lot of people who can actually buy them, which is not to say that you don't invest in something because it can't exit like that. But there's a very serious limitation on its market cap as a very result of the way that they solve the problem, which goes back to the beginning of this conversation, which is solving it simply. You took the approach of, yeah, yeah, yeah we want to get a smoothie in people's hands. I get it. What, who first wants it and how will they take it? Yeah. And then more importantly, 
what don't they want and how won't they take it? And if we focus on solving that before we look at anything else, we have the simplest solution to whatever it is that was. And then the market is anything that you want it to be. I think you're spot on. And I think what sometimes gets in the way is what, and this happens inside Kellogg's, it happens outside of Kellogg's is that people are unable to take an idea and, 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 um, and actually commercialize it. And so the way I like to think about the difference between an idea, there's a lot of great ideas. Sure. And Kellogg's is great at generating ideas. And, and, and we, we have a whole boatload of ideas in our archives, right? But the difference between, and, and there's a lot of people outside of Kellogg's that are great at generating ideas, but the difference between then, the difference between an, uh, an inventor and an innovator is that the, the innovator then is able to profitably commercialize that idea, right? Because if, if you can't profitably commercialize the idea, it's not an innovation. It's, it's a cool idea. It's a cool idea, right? But how do, you, how do you get to that point? You have to know what are the must-haves, right? What are the need-to-haves versus the nice-to-haves? And what sometimes happens is, when we've done this and others have done this, you over-engineer something yeah. and, and you over-design, whether it's the packaging, the food, the commercial model, the go-to-market model, all the support mechanisms, you over-design that and you're not able to properly commercialize it. Yep. Uh, uh, and then you've effectively then um, gone into the marketplace, maybe first to market on something, on a new trend, and then someone else realizes, to your point earlier, well, that is interesting, but I have a more simple way yep. that actually delivers the need-to-haves and strips out the nice-to-haves. And what I will tell you on this is, I'll tell you this much, we have spent the past six to eight months of this year as a result of having this really, um, this on-the-ground field activation team here in Chicago doing field events, both in and out of stores. Um, we, we have challenged ourselves on this very point and said, okay, we need to be constantly iterating. We're at this precious moment where we have the opportunity to scrutinize everything. And, um, and, 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 every, and, and, and the way you make those choices has to start with your mission, right? If our mission is to bring the joy with these creamy, crunchy, all-in-one smoothie bowls to make people's lives easier in the morning, then we need to ask ourselves, you know, well, and, and one of our values is maximum joy, minimal effort. Yeah. Through the lens of that mission and those values, what's a need to have versus a nice to have. And, and we're really excited about some of the optimizations that we're making to the packaging, to the food, um, to how we describe it, that I believe are gonna be pivotal to helping us more profitably commercialize and expand this proposition. But we would have never have gotten there had we just blasted this through the big giant Kellogg distribution machine out of the gates because we wouldn't have been able to take advantage of that of those infant stages that give us an opportunity to learn from those super fans that are going out of their way to opt in when it's for the most part still largely unavailable we're only yeah. in distribution in college campuses some food service places some convenience stores we're, we're a couple months in to our Mar Mar Mariano's test yep and they've been super partners. Uh, so the Roundies team has been fantastic partners with us. And we wanted to test this in grocery here in Chicago first because this city's meant so much to us. It's been where we've done so much work with the consumer. I'm from Chicagoland area, and so it means a lot to me personally. 
And Mariana has been a fantastic partner. And we've been able to get rich insights from that shopper, both in and out of the store, that are going to be so invaluable to us. Um, I truly believe that it, it, it's going to help us set us up for a successful uh, launch as we just go into 2020 and beyond. I, I totally agree. I, I think the net takeaway for me in this is, and this is for everyone, it doesn't matter whether it's entrepreneur, entrepreneur, where your company's coming from, what it is. It doesn't have to be food tech. It could be SaaS platform, whatever. What I noticed most about the conversation that we've had is there's sort of two ways to look at this. And in my opinion, not I'm not saying exclusively that they don't work. You can use only, only this is not the only way. But I do think that it is the only clear path. And that is that if you build your product with the end, you know, everyone tells you in your, in your business plan, exit, exit strategy, right? Exit might be the company or might just be how the, how the product itself gets to where it's going. If you're thinking, I'm building this product and how am I going to have Kellogg plug me in or how am I going to plug Kellogg and its, and its vast resources into my product to grow me versus how I, my product, my thing will plug into Kellogg You've got it wrong. It's 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 how I am going to plug in. How do I build a product that will fit with these eventual partners that could then take my stuff to the whole next level? That's right. Right now, I'm just looking at like a lot of the entrepreneurs I, I find in, in companies that do innovation poorly, they try really hard to build a standalone and they isolate it. And they're like, no, no, we have to be totally disintegrated. And it's like, wait, what? No, you just need to build a great product. Like just solve a problem for somebody and figure out in how you build it, how would it then be able to be unfolded and unfolded and unfolded in different markets and a lot of times we, we spend too much time looking at like how can you help me versus like how can i build a great product and then give it to you and watch you go yeah i mean you know what we talk about what my team and i talk about my field activation team uh amanda and marissa they're here and they've done just a, such an amazing job and we have a lot of discussions around just being always be learning and be obsessed with our consumer and constantly listening and what we talk about is focus on, you know, really understanding what's most important to them and making sure that we are laser focused on that. And then and then to the extent that it's available to us, draw upon the best of what Kellogg's has to offer to us, right? Yeah. Sales, distribution, supply chain, other amazing resources. And, you know, we have people that are just fantastic experts in all sorts of areas. And we're very fortunate to have access to, the, to, to those experts. But, but you don't start with that. You start with building, you know, start with understanding who's your core consumer. You know, what's our mission? What are our values? What, what problem are we trying to solve? And then, <clears throat> at, you know, how do we draw upon the best of what Kellogg can offer at the right time? Yep. Because one, one of the things that, that we talk about is just because so, just we can get distribution in a lot of these customers because we have those relationships. But if you, if you doesn't send mean the product we prematurely, doesn't mean we should. It, it just ends faster. That's exactly right. And what I, I embrace this motto, I, I, I think I read it somewhere in a, in a book at some point in the past few years. Um, we got to be careful and not run to our death. And I think uh, whether you're a small or big company, you know, there's numerous stories. There's numerous stories where people, to your point, they were just, you know, they were focused more on, you know, just getting a big exit, yep. getting a big payoff, trying to get something, uh, chasing a number. Yep. And, and big companies, small companies do this alike. Entrepreneurs, they do this alike. Just trying to chase a number so that they can then make their quarter, make their year, or get bought. And 
what what they what they risk happening is putting in the wrong places for the wrong people at the wrong time at the wrong price and then you just run to their death you know you get distribution a bunch of places but then it's the wrong shopper and then you're not able to support that distribution and then you're not able to to be able to achieve the sustainable velocities that these retailers are looking for because space is precious you're out of there within six months the the i mean the the game has changed retailers don't have the same amount of patience that they used to have it's amazing how how quickly they 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 um they're willing to just bring someone else in because guess what there's a lot of other yeah options they have a lot of options it's it's unique where we are in this world now with just like just because you created something new doesn't like most of the time those are the ones who don't actually <laughs> actually pan out because they they were too they ran to their death they were too fast yeah and so that's why we're trying to be really careful and make sure that when we get into these big grocery chains uh and when we start to branch outside chicago because right now we're really focused on saturating chicago and really growing slowly and really building a groundswell with our early adopters here but as we uh as we start to branch out we want to make sure that we don't go too far too fast too soon yep. and so i i believe in the uh, idea of creating concentrated scale. So, and I think our X bar was very effective at oh doing this, God, right? Yes. So, find who your core consumer is. Under, you know, understand, you know, where the where this fits in their lives, what problem it's solving, where they shop. Turn them into your super fans, your advocates. Build a groundswell with them, and then make your product feel ubiquitous in their world. Yep. Make your product feel ubiquitous in their world. Don't try to be ubiquitous everywhere. Try to be ubiquitous in the places that are most important to your core consumer. And then... Then sell them peanut butter. Then then, <laughs> 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 then sell them <laughs> But th then, then you could start to build uh, a strong foundation. Then you have a strong foundation and you could start to expand from there. Totally. This has been super fascinating. Um, I, I think it's a, a great testament to, obviously, you guys and your team, but also just Kellogg's innovation and the way that they operate on this, I think, is unique and, and sort of... Uh, I mean, there, there's a reason that they bought RX by. It's, it's there's a lot to be to be had there, and I, I have to tell you, I cannot wait to dig into one of these bowls, and uh, I will give you the feedback instantly. We will Instagram that, I promise. People can watch the, the live. I'll tell that. you, one of the things that we hear from people that they love, well, there's there's a couple things, right? Um, they're surprised at how easy and delicious it is, and it and and one of the things that we just love, I call it the. Uh, so, so, so when typically the way things go when we're at an event, Amanda, Marissa, and I, and the whole activation team, someone will come up to us and they'll say, so what's this? We say, we're, we're Joy Bowl. What is it? It's a granola smoothie bowl. Well, what's inside? Well, it's creamy smoothie goodness combined with crunchy granola and delicious toppings. Uh, all you have to do is just add water. In a matter of seconds, the protein powder transforms to a creamy, crunchy blend. So they're like, huh? Well, give it a try. See if you like it. And they go, it's amazing when you see them try, they, you see their face when they go from, what is that? It's like this uh, WTF to OMG moment yeah. where they're like, what is this? And then they try it and they're like, oh my goodness. And they start saying all the things that yeah. you said earlier, like, oh my God, I can take this to work. I could yep. yeah, eat this after they the gym. Now I don't have to do all it. these things. But it's the only way though to, um, to you know, but that's where the value of a field active, having this field activation arm uh, on the ground, getting, getting, you know, getting food into people's mouths and just talking to them and, and learning from them, you know, how to best describe it. What is it about it that they like the most? 
um, th th those those insights are just invaluable, and I truly believe that all that hard work is going to pay off for us in the end. I have no doubt. Where uh, where can people go to here in Chicago, at least, to sample Joy Bowl? So uh, currently, we're available at Mariano's. That's the only grocery store that we're available in because they've been really kind with us the past couple months doing this test. Uh, they can also find us at a handful of convenience stores. So we are at a couple Seven Elevens. Um, we're actually uh, quite popular on the DePaul campus, so okay. we do have distribution on a couple campuses in the area, and um, and then actually uh, uh, at some of the uh, nearby corporate cafeterias. So uh, we've built up a nice little fan base at some of the corporate cafeterias nearby. But we're hopeful that uh, come 2020, as a result of some positive momentum that we're getting from this grocery test that we could start to expand but we just like i said earlier we're trying to be really careful and deliberate about that expansion phase so um as we continue to try to saturate chicago the next area of the country that we have in our sites is the northeast because uh, we've started to gain some super fans out there as well nice and so we're looking to then codify all this all this learning around this go-to-market and commercial model here and try to build a replicable model that we can then start to activate in, in the Northeast. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing this with us, John. Uh, this is a lot of fun, and I cannot wait, like I said, to, to actually yeah. dig in. And sorry, lastly, uh, I can't help but plug uh, Peapod and Amazon. So they've been very, very strong partners with us out of the gates. We, we launched online first with Peapod and Amazon, and they've been just really good to us, so I can't help but I don't thank even know why enough. I ask people anymore. They're just like, where do I go? Just go to Amazon. That's, that's where it's, <laughs> the whole world and is Peapod. And they've Peapod. Been, they've been fantastic partners. Very cool. Thanks, Don, so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. To invest in startups, download past episodes, and apply to pitch on the Startup Showcase, check out technori.com. Stay connected by following us on social at Technori, or you can follow me at Katoom. Boom. That's a wrap.